0: Hey y'all, welcome back to the Brianna Approved Podcast. And we are on episode 50. We are doing a solo episode to start the new year. And I'm really excited because we are going to be talking about getting your mindset right for the new year and discussing your feelings versus your emotions. And this is really important because if you have followed me for a while, you know that I like to say your feelings don't always matter. And that might sound callous, but it's actually very helpful once you understand that there is a difference between how we feel and the emotions that we are experiencing. So I also will give you some actionable items as well to round out the show with a few mental health prompts that I think will be helpful to give you something to do when you are deciphering what you're feeling, if you are lacking motivation, if you're in an emotional way that you're not loving right now. So naturally, we will start with our fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. And then we will get into our knowledge bites of the show, which will discuss feelings versus emotions, as well as parts of the brain that are actually involved in these two different sensations. And then wrapping up the show with some journal prompts or some, you know, voice memo prompts that you can do to get that mind right. And now it's that time for the fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. (sighs) Did you know scientists have discovered that even just imagining positive emotions can trigger reward pathways located in the brain, particularly in the ventral striatum, while negative emotions can activate a brain region known as the amygdala. That's right, gang. This is why sometimes faking it till you make it can work and why manifestations and positive guided imagery and mantras and all of this can really be beneficial in shaping the way through which you view the world and through which you attract back into your life, positive or negative emotions. You've ever been around one of those people who it just seems like they're constantly, you know, in a bad mood or they're always having bad luck um, or they're just always getting like the shit end of the deal. And then we see the opposite side of that where it's just always working out for people and they're just always light and joyous and they're in a good mood and, you know, it seems like everything is just firing on all cylinders. And so... This is why it's so important to understand the idea of as you think, so shall you be, like the power of your thoughts and what that means. And I know that that sounds a little hippy-dippy for people sometimes, but we are going to get into the science of that a little bit of you know why the way we think and perceive things and consciously deciding what emotions we want to give more attention to can be truly beneficial in our overall health. I have been telling myself for, I don't know, a few weeks now that this season of my life is called mentally beneficial or absolutely not. So I have been very ardent about the idea of, does this actually benefit positively to my overall mental health? Is this mutually beneficial energetically? Is this something that is making me feel more aligned or out of aligned with what I'm trying to do? And so that is something that I think can be helpful when we are trying to assess, am I getting closer or further away from whatever it is that I'm trying to achieve right now, especially this time of the year where people are setting very lofty goals, they're running on motivation, which is a limited resource. Um... They're, you know, comparing themselves to where they were last year. So it's just really this idea about like, for me personally, is this mentally beneficial or not? Because there is that quote about, you know, the mind is a superb instrument and if it's used rightly or if it's used wrongly, it can become very destructive or positive. So again, just like with any instrument, you have to practice playing it and you have to give it tune-ups rather frequently. So this is... I think a really good time to sort of do some emotional tune-ups, if you will, not only for yourself, but also for kind of what's going on in your external environment and some of those other touch points or tentacles, as I like to call them, for what is influencing your life. And what I want to remind people as well, especially this time of the year, maybe coming out of the holiday season, is that, you know, life is a series of problems that we just get better at solving. So the goal is not to evade hardships and arduous times and, quote, negative emotions, but rather to build emotional resilience. And I've done podcast episodes about this before, but there's actually been researchers who have looked at people who are considered to be, quote, emotionally well. And what they found is that they don't necessarily experience fewer negative emotions, but rather... They have the ability to bounce back from difficulties more quickly, right? So they are more resilient. They have this emotional Teflon on them, if they will. They have a very quick rebound rate. And so, again, we, we're not looking to never have a bad day. We're never looking to have sunshine coming out of our ass all the time. Like that is not what it is. We want to start to develop some emotional stamina. And I think understand that not everything necessarily always deserves an emotional response, right? And so improving your skills to develop some emotional wellness can take a little bit of time, but also giving yourself some compassion and grace and understanding that, You do not have to be 100%, 100% of the time. And there are a few other things that I think we should remind ourselves on this journey of continuously trying to improve ourselves when we maybe are really hard on ourselves um, because we're trying to be the best at health or the best at self-healing or the best at therapy or whatever it is. And so number one... um, all of our struggles are our greatest teachers, right? They give us an opportunity to expand. So if you do feel like you are in a season of your life where you're struggling with something, whether that's actually trusting yourself or listening to your intuition or letting go of something, it really is an opportunity to expand to another level of where we're trying to get in this journey. And with that, I think it's, I think it's important to understand that all obstacles are temporary moments of realignment. So if you are feeling like there's something in the way or it's something blocking you, think about if you're driving down a road. It's not like you're never going to not get to your destination if there's a a detour there, it's gonna just take a little bit longer. And so again, that's that that's where our ability to change our mindset about something can make that quote ride more enjoyable or not. And then, you know, lastly, that discomfort that you're feeling is a doorway to your freedom. So your healing is really on the other side of opening that door and leaning into that discomfort. And that is where we actually have to kind of ground ourselves and you know, root in a little bit more and check in with ourselves of, okay, again, where am I allowing things that, you know, have, uh, that aren't serving me anymore, that has kind of, you know, reached its expiration date and I'm still kind of just like letting it hang out on the shelf. And where is it time that I actually start taking responsibility as well? So, you know, Also, during all of this, you know, don't forget to take some pleasures in the small victories they add up. A slow drip approach is something that I feel really passionately about when we're looking to improve any aspect of our health. So, you know, slowly integrating things that are sustainable and maintainable. Now, let's get into the knowledge bite section of the show, because we know that knowledge is your brain's favorite food. In this Knowledge Bite section of the show, we are going to be discussing the difference between feelings and emotions. Now, people will often use the terms feelings and emotions interchangeably. And yes, they are both human traits. However, there are some not only neurobiological differences, so differences in areas of the brain that are actually activated but also what's happening physiologically in the body and then consciously and subconsciously. So first things first, uh, there are a couple of different brain structures that appear to be most closely linked with our emotions. So one of them is called the amygdala, which I've talked all about, especially in regards to anxiety. We also have something called the insula or the, or the insular cortex, and then there is a part of the midbrain called the PAG. So what we know is that emotions originate in the subcortical region of the amygdala. So in there, there's also like the ventromedial prefrontal cortices, and this is what actually causes biochemical reactions to occur and then changes our physical state, right? So again, this part of the brain, this subcortical region, this part of the brain is involved in complex activities like memory and emotion and pleasure and hormone production. So this again is when we're talking about that fight or flight response, you might feel things like anxiety, your heart is racing, you're sweating. I always joke and I say, uh, you know, like when I'm trying to get through to customer service, and my blood starts to boil, and I'm about to have a rage blackout, right? So that is some of our emotions, right? We actually have these biochemical reactions, and then we have a physical change in our state. You can feel things sort of clench up. You get maybe clammy. This is where some people get really nervous. And again, this is a formic this is a, a form of, of basic emotions. It's deeply, deeply ingrained in our, you know, genetic code as humans. It's really helped us survive as a species, but it's also been very important for interacting with the environment we live in. Because think about it from a primitive standpoint, if you were all hanging out in your tribe and you saw somebody all of a sudden, you know, start, you know, freaking out or getting more kind of antsy or dodgy. We do this now too, right? Let's say you're in a, a new environment And you only know one other person in the room and you kind of look to them and you see their eyes maybe being hypervigilant or they're starting to act a little squirrely. That signals to you, whether you can verbally talk to them or not, like, yo, we got to get out of here effective immediately, right? And so because our emotions are pretty much this neurochemical reaction from a stimulus, they are considered unconscious and instinctive. So this again is why sometimes you can have an emotional reaction out of nowhere, like you're just doing your thing and then all of a sudden there's a stimulus that happens that causes, or we would call that a trigger, right? So we become triggered. We hear a song, we smell something, we see something. So again, it's unconscious and it's this instinctive kind of thing that we have. We just have this strong emotional reaction to something and it's... It is possible to bring these emotions out into consciousness through psychotherapy. So that is kind of how some psychotherapy modalities do work. We also know that there's kind of six basic emotions that we can experience. We also know that we have primary emotions and secondary emotions. So the six basic emotions that we generally experience or that are most common are, you know, happiness, sadness, fear, disgust, anger, surprise. Now, in addition to these six basic emotions, we also have universal facial expressions. And then we also have sounds that can accompany them. So for instance, if there is something that smells really bad in a room, and then somebody makes the, the noise like, yuck, you, from having past experience, might understand that like, okay, we need to get out of here. So this is known as something called universal human signaling. Another example of this universal human signaling is just smiling and laughing. So smiling and laughter are two things that we generally do see together. And this is why you could go to another country and not speak the language and kind of pick up on somebody else's sort of emotions and vibes. My dad is actually really good at this. He will fully commit to being in a country where he does not speak the language, but because he is so joyous and lighthearted and just has always, you know, just such a good energy about him that he'll be laughing and he'll be smiling. And then the person next to them who doesn't speak the language either, like they're just totally vibing. So um, I just love that and I think that you should have more people like that in your life because we know that emotional contagion is a very real thing. We do know as well that people can have emotions internally without showing it to people around them. So people very much so can bottle up their emotions and then they will have an ulcer or something down the road. So um, some people are better at bottling up these emotions than others and this is why it is really important to kind of check in with your body as well to see what's going on. If you're a little bit more emotionally intelligent, I think, or emotionally literate, you might be able to pick up on some of those nuances. If you've known somebody for a while, some nonverbal communication things like, oh, they're clenching up right now or their eyes seem kind of weird. My mom is really good at that. She could literally look at a picture and be like, oh, you look off in that photo. So definitely surround yourself with more people like that. Nonetheless, These emotions, right, they're essential in basically all of our human interactions. They're essential for forming relationships, not only with ourselves, but with others. And they, again, do have a really important role in our evolution. So we do need emotions on some levels. Now, let's get into feelings. In contrast to emotions, feelings originate in the neocortical region of the brain and Feelings are reactions to our emotions, okay? Feelings are reactions to the emotions. This is why you can say something like, I feel offended by the way that you said XYZ. And somebody else can say, well, I feel that I didn't say anything offensive. We'll get back to that in a second. So the neocortex region of the brain, this is actually the largest part of the cerebral cortex, which again, if we take a step back and remember, the cerebral cortex is a part of our brain that deals with higher executive functioning. So we can like logically think a bit more about our feelings as opposed to our emotions, which are sort of instinctual and subconscious on some level, right? So again, the neocortex largest part of the cerebral cortex it makes up about half the volume of the human brain and it's thought to be responsible for the uh the parts of the brain that deal with attention and thought and perception and even episodic memories so feelings can actually form when your brain assigns a meaning to the emotional experience that you are having. So you experience some kind of emotion and then your brain decides to kind of tag it and saying, oh, every time you experience X, Y, Z, you are going to feel this way. So this is why it is really important to practice things like thought interruption and pattern interruption, uh, actually being exposed to new environments, consciously choosing new feelings again, because your brain goes and says, I experienced this when I was here or with this person or whatever, and this is the way I feel. So because our feelings are based on an emotional experience, feelings can be entirely subjective and they can vary from person to person. So again, why somebody might feel very happy in a certain environment or doing, you guys could be experiencing the same thing. Let's say you're both at a concert together, right? And outwardly, you don't know what either person is going through. And you look at one person and they're just having the time of their lives. They're having a ball. They're laughing at everything. They're just, you know, like living their best life and the person next to them is an absolute miserab. They are not having a good time, right? It's totally subjective. But this is also why, again, people will say things like, well, I'm sorry you feel that way because my intention wasn't to hurt your feelings. Again, feelings are – Uh, they're very subjective. So how I feel isn't going to always be how you feel, even though we have had literally the same exact emotional experience. So you can feel happy, you can feel angry, you can feel sad, you can feel disgusted, while the person next to you feels totally the opposite. And so feelings can also become even more specific than an emotional response, and they can be brought up from a physical reaction to various things. So for example, pain and hunger are kind of some examples of this. If you're injured, let's say you fell off your bike, you can feel pain. Um, if you haven't eaten all day, you're going to feel hungry, right? Where somebody else be, might be like, no, I feel fine. All of this indicates that feelings something that is noticed at a conscious level. So our emotions generally are subconscious, meaning they're out of our control sometimes. We just all of a sudden have this emotional response to something. You start crying out of nowhere. You burst out into tears, even though you're really, really trying not to. Where our feelings, again, can kind of be more of this mental experience of our, and our body kind of state arises as your brain interprets these subconscious emotions. So a lot of our feelings are completely conscious, unlike emotions. And this is truly one of the key differences between them. So not all conscious experiences are feelings necessary, necessarily. You are aware of what you're seeing or hearing or any of these primary senses, but they're not always feelings. And so again, Your brain has to really like assign meaning to the emotions in order to create a feeling. But it can also go the other way around too, depending on the experiences that you're being exposed to. So let's take fear, for example. Let's say that you have a fear of spiders. At some point in your life, you had a negative experience with a spider, And ever since then, you have felt afraid and threatened by being in the presence of a spider. Now, at the same time, you're having an emotional experience like, you know, fear or disgust or, you know, anxiety or what have you. You don't necessarily need to be exposed to like the spider anymore and just simply thinking This thought about a spider can trigger an emotional response in the brain, which automatically then makes you feel uncomfortable because your mind has made this association between the stimulus, the emotions, and the feelings. So your emotions can affect your behavior towards things as well. And this can make your feeling towards them persistent. So you say to yourself, like, okay, cool, I will actively stay away from spiders and thinking about them, and this is going to prevent any kind of unwanted emotional response. But that actually kind of creates this negative feedback loop, and then you have more, more fear. And then similarly, your feelings can cause you to pursue things because you expect a positive emotional response, right? So emotions, what we also know, tend to be temporary. They are transient. Um, they can be, you know, fleeting, and again, kind of come out of nowhere like the weather, where feelings can be much more persistent and people don't always understand why. They kind of get on this loop or a ruminating thought of, I feel so offended or I feel so sad or I feel so happy or whatever it is, because it can go positively or negatively. And so this, again, kind of, you know, creates this cycle. And so because your emotions and feelings have this significant impact on your behaviors, it can really, really influence how you interact with the world. And this can cause people to either develop healthy or unhealthy behaviors. And so you might have heard, I believe it was on the Rich Roll podcast, he talks about this idea of mood follows actions. And this is really important, again. So this time of the year, for example, when people try to really lean into motivation – Um, And then all of a sudden they wake up one day and it's cold and it's dark out and they didn't sleep well and they say, well, I don't feel like going to the gym. I don't feel like doing work. I always joke and I text my friends and I say, I don't feel very worky today. So what we know is that it's nearly impossible to, again, control your thoughts and feelings sometimes, but you can control your behavior. So if you can change the action or the behavior of something, then you can actually change how you are feeling and change the mood. So the actions and behaviors that you consciously decide to do is what will ultimately be the leader for the mood that will ensue. So since your emotions shape your behaviors, becoming aware of your emotions and really understanding your feelings is important for helping you make some changes. So becoming more in tune with your thoughts and your behaviors is going to be important. So developing a sense of awareness, right? Um, paying attention to how you quite physically feel, like what's going on with your body, checking in, dropping in. Again, I know that sounds really hippy dippy, but um, your physical sensations, right? That is really important for saying, is this a feeling that I'm having right now? Or is this an emotion? Is this something that is transient? Or is this a, a thought that I'm having? So again, feelings aren't always factual. They can come and go. And again, Once we start to watch our thoughts a little bit more and become more conscious of that, you can take action as you see fit. You can choose to either respond or to react. You can choose to ignore something or you can choose to reach for a better feeling thought, right? So again, all of this is going to take practice. And again, learning those differences between feelings and emotions is going to be valuable for understanding and improving your overall mental health, which is why I wanted to end the show with some mental health prompts because, sure, great, you love the science, you understood this, okay, feelings and emotions are different. Sometimes I have an emotion that comes out of nowhere and I can't always control that. I'm feeling some kind of way and I don't love this feeling, so what can I do now? So the last few minutes of the show, I want to wrap up with this idea of what can I do to get myself out of this or to kind of have more of a a guided sort of pathway. I love a good prompt. I'm really big on these. I don't like love journaling all the time. I know for some people it really works, but for me, prompts feel less intimidating. You can, you know, kind of keep these as something that you just think about and reflect on for a bit. You can do a voice memo to yourself. You can journal if you want, but Before we get into the prompts, I just want to let people know that no two people's brains store the same information in the same way in the same place. Meaning, just because you heard from XYZ Guru that this is what you need to do to get your shit together and get back on track, or five ways to get more motivated, or whatever it is, like it's not going to always work. So that's why I'm always so big on developing as robust of a toolbox as you can for different prompts on different days, for different questions, for different healing modalities. Again, because no two people's brains store the same information in the same way, in the same place. So we're going to go over a couple of prompts and some uh, things that I think can help, again, get you kind of back on track. So number one, since we just talked about feelings and emotions, um, I think a really good jumping off point is what do I want to feel more of? What feeling do I want more of? Do I want to feel more joy? Do I want to feel more happiness? Do I want to feel more stability? Do I want to feel more creative? Do I want to feel more expansive, right? What is the feeling that you are looking to have? And this is why a lot of the times people will go – towards something outside of themselves. They think that if they just buy something or get a new job or move somewhere or whatever it is, right? Whatever version of their coping mechanism is, it's not always the thing or the place or the person. It's the feeling. They think that if I move here, I will feel better. If I go on vacation, I will feel better. And then what happens? You get on vacation and you're crying, right? Because wherever you go, there you are. So think about what feeling do I want more of? And something that Abraham Hicks talks a lot about is this idea of reaching for better feeling thoughts. So you have a thought that pops up and you say, is this thought making me feel better or worse? And as you're watching those thoughts, right, that's a conscious action that you can do. With that thought, then you can make a decision about what you want to do with that thought. And then you can ask yourself, how does this decision or this thought or this feeling, how is this affecting me right now energetically? Is it infecting my energy? Is it affecting my energy? Is this positively pushing me forward? Is this keeping me in a rabbit hole that's actually not serving me? So how does this thought or feeling affect me energetically? Another quote that really resonated with me that I think is really helpful, especially if you're somebody who ruminates and has circular thoughts and kind of gets fixated on something is this thought that says, "Um, I think, and I think, and I think, and I've thought myself out of happiness millions of times, but never once into it. Meaning that you are always just one thought away from happiness. So this is going to require you to watch your thoughts. Again, does this thought make me feel better or worse? Pay attention to the way and the how you feel. I feel happy. I feel sad. I feel frustrated. I feel jealous, whatever. Then you can direct your thoughts to have better feeling thoughts. You can choose better feeling thoughts. Next is, I think, developing what I call a shit day protocol. I love this one. I make my clients do this a lot. So, life's going to happen. You're going to have a bad day. It's not going to go as planned. You are going to you know, be late. You're going to miss your plane. Your AirPods are going to die at the gym. You got bad news. You went through a breakup, whatever it is, right? And so you're going to just have a day, de- even if everything's going well. So the weather, all of a sudden it's gray and rainy and that really impacts your mood. You need to have a plan in place for that shitty day that will ultimately ensue. So what I want you to do is write out two to five pre-planned things that you can do, that you can say, that you can listen to, that you can lean into to help get you out of the rabbit hole that you've dug yourself into, right? So Actually title it on your phone like shit day protocol. Okay, when I'm having an off day, what am I going to do? I am going to walk on the treadmill and listen to my favorite podcast. I am going to uh, watch this stand-up comedy show that I know makes me laugh. I am going to go get my nails done. I'm going to get acupuncture. I'm going to go to the crystal shop. I'm going – whatever it is, I want you to write out two to five of those things. I'm going to go to a new coffee shop. And, you know, just check in with yourself of, you know – how much am I actually leaning into this on the bad day as opposed to saying, oh my God, this is like, I'm just having the worst day ever and I can't get out of out of my own way. That's not to say that, listen, you have to still honor your feelings and allow yourself to feel what you're going to feel and be sad or whatever it is because emotions are transient. But sometimes we don't want to live there forever. We want to visit it and we want to say like, hey, what's up? And check it in, like, what's good here? And then we want to leave. Um. Another thing that I like is writing out a list of your coping mechanisms. This is really an interesting prompt. So over your years of, you know, acquiring health tools, you've probably developed coping mechanisms. Some of them are great. Some of them probably are not so great. Some of them are more of a duct tape approach. Some of them are more of a super glue approach. What I would encourage you to do is to write down all the coping mechanisms that you have ever come across in your life. Evaluate which ones are working for you and evaluate which ones are no longer serving you. So this is important because you can ask yourself, what are some of my go-to coping mechanisms that help me get through my moments of feeling emotional or feeling sad or feeling, you know, pain or whatever it is, because you might, again, have some more of those low-hanging fruit coping mechanisms, like a knee-jerk reaction kind of thing, like, oh, well, I I eat brownies or this is when people will fall back to their default, you know, factory setting or they run back to relationships that don't serve them anymore or they're just again looking for that dopamine hit. So on your list of coping mechanisms, you might say, "Ooh, this one's not really serving me anymore and I I want to get some I want to develop some new coping mechanisms." Some other ones might be like kind of what we talked about before, like things that are on your shit day protocol. So if you're looking for extra credit with this prompt as well, try to actually assign a number to how well each of these prompts has helped you with whatever you're going through. And but this is this is going to help show you what coping mechanisms can stay and which ones maybe can be retired and need some tweaking. So um, you know again, writing out uh, and evaluating what coping mechanisms really help kind of get you back on track. And then a couple of other lighthearted questions. If you're not looking to go that deep into you know, the self-healing journey, one of the things I like to ask myself is, what's one thing that is working for me right now? What's good in my now? What is one thing that feels out of alignment with me right now? Because it is so common that we're just very quick to go you know, backwards and look at the past or we project into the future. And so it's really important to, you know, bring ourselves back to what's good in my now. And then with that, like what's one thing that's feeling out of alignment for me right now? And then from there, you can ask yourself, especially if you kind of ended on that, what's feeling out of alignment for me, you might say, how do I want to feel tomorrow? And what are three things that I can do today to ensure that I feel that way? Let's say that you you know, we're eating really poorly over the past couple of weeks and like, you're like, you know what, tomorrow I want to feel good and I want to feel energized and I want to feel healthy. What are three things that I can do today to ensure that tomorrow I feel energized and healthy and enthused for the day? Okay. I'm going to fill up my water bottle tonight. I'm going to think about what I want to eat for breakfast and I'm going to um, call my mom on the way to the gym, right? Whatever it is. So again, planning for tomorrow. And then lastly, actually giving yourself some credit, discuss with yourself three things that you did right today that you're proud of that are, again, those small victories that are actually not as small as you would think that really help give you positive momentum, especially for that idea of mood following action. So write that down. So work on your shit day protocol, write out a list of your coping mechanisms, ask yourself what's good in my now, ask yourself how do i want to feel tomorrow and what are things that i can do today to ensure that i get there and what are three things that i'm doing a great job of right now. So hopefully this episode is encouraging and exciting and motivating for you all and um i hope you know you get that mind right for the new year and that you all enjoy being in this season of mentally beneficial or absolutely not. And I'll see you on the next episode. Ciao.